This is Geek Gab with your host, Dornall and me, Daddy Warpig. We are back. Geek Gab for Monday, August 14th, 2023. Oh, such an awesome week. Um, should we just jump in? <clears throat> How was I'm your... Dying. Uh, how was your gaming session? How was the deal getting back behind the DM screen? Oh, yes. Trollopulous has a new dungeon master. His name is Dornal. Uh, yeah, we uh, everybody sort of needed a break. The dungeon master of Machador in particular, he's been doing a lot of game running. Our normal DM missing in action. Uh, so I stepped up to the plate. Uh, because it's been too long. I had to get back behind the Dungeon Master screen and run a game. And it was great. I had a great time. Um, I think everybody also needed a break from the Trilopulous milieu and the Machador milieu. So uh, I just... We got a few of our uh, our usuals together. I think we had seven players. We had seven players. And uh, everybody graciously had level one characters ready to go. Uh, so, well, first of all, before I go into the boring details about it, what did you think? Did you have fun? I enjoyed it. Yes. You what did you like about it? More- I, you didn't even allow me to finish my sentence. <laughs> I am anticipating say, it. You're going to ask me to give you more details, and I'm going to say I'm really exhausted today. I can't give you more details. I've been focusing all day on my part of the show, and that's it. You Excellent. could ask me anything on any other tell you not today. Well, if you're having trouble remembering what happened, I have... Uh, I had my arm twisted, actually, to continue the proud Broasar tradition of a uh, session report, which you can find at dornal.blogspot.com. It's my first blog post ever. Apparently, I'm a blogger now. I don't, I don't think I like it much. You used to do lots of blog posts. What do you think? I didn't use Blogspot. I use WordPress. I did use Blogspot for a little bit, but I didn't like Blogspot. I, I wish I had spent some time comparing different blog platforms because uh, I spent a couple of hours fighting with the Blogspot software. Not to mention the time actually writing the thing. You might realize this but i'm not much of a writer either but anyway uh yeah we had a great time so uh, i i did a twist on the old standard starting scenario so uh all the level one player characters began in a uh pioneer style fort out at the borders of civilization that is being built up by a newly minted level nine fighter who's got who's decided to claim some wilderness as his own own and build up his domain Uh, naturally there's a bunch of wilderness and dungeons nearby chock full of monsters and treasure we hope Uh, so that's pretty typical ever since keep on the borderlands that's uh that's one of the standard openings to a campaign um the twist comes in is that while not exactly being part of an ongoing campaign i built this milieu with another player um if careful listeners of the show might recall that i worked out the domain development rules with my brother sometime last year so i took those notes and when i was called to service as a dungeon master of trilopolis well i already had a ready-made 
fort with a few characters and a few quest hooks ready to go. Um, and uh, a grumpy naysayer might say, well, you didn't, you didn't earn that. You just sort of made it up, that sort of thing. What's the difference between purchasing a module and or just writing down NPCs and, and making up a new town hall cloth? What's the difference? Well, it's a whole lot more fun. Um, and it gets me excited for uh, sometime having players who want to do that in the game uh, and or for my characters themselves to do that sort of thing in game uh, just the way you can create a whole new area and milieu out of that exercise really fun um and the game itself went pretty well um there's a there's a local dungeon the players took the the adventure hook ran with it um I, what I don't know is I'm not sure how they reacted to my DMing style, but uh, they blazed their way through uh, seven dungeon rooms on the first level. Most of them were empty, of course. Um, and the entire dungeon was generated on the fly using Appendix A. Uh, so that was secret number one. Really good stuff. Um, I've talked about it. I've used it sort of as an exercise, and I've I've been there as a player. Uh, but actually doing it in real time in session, it makes for a really good game, which you might not think. Uh, you might think your prepared dungeons, your one-page dungeon with monster roster and everything that is common in OSR-style games. Those are good, but you don't need them. More to the point, if you don't have one available, AD&D works out of the box. Gives you everything that you need. Uh, something interesting happened during the game that I wanted to bring up, and I think I might even write a blog post about it, uh, is uh, Macho Mandalf is not done breaking the game. Uh, he decided to play his, as his character concept an elf assassin. And, and I'm not going to go into excruciatingly long detail about this, but the uh, elves, elves in AD&D are very stealthy, and they have a great chance to surprise any monsters they come across. And assassins, if they ever surprise an opponent, they can just assassinate that target in lieu of regular attacks with their weapons. Uh, this combined with the rules on how many shots you can fire in a surprise segment. Well, let's just say that the elf, while scouting well ahead of the party, turned the corner and found himself face to face with two orcs. Luckily, they were surprised, and he gunned them all down before they knew he was there. Consequently, um, elves, longbows, and assassins are all now banned in my campaign world. <laughs> yeah. That was really interesting. And uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, Bradford. They're lethal when they catch a target under unawares. Uh, the two things that really stood out to me uh, was uh, had to do with the ranged weapon. Uh, if that's a red flag to any game master or would-be game designer, yes, that's incredibly cheesy, but uh, the rules as written stand. Um, you may assassinate with ranged weapons. And yes, when you are firing a readied missile in a surprise segment, you fire at triple rate. So he had the option of just firing something like six arrows for regular damage or 
assassinating three out of the four targets in a single segment. And with a 50-50 shot of outright killing them, and the other 50% chance is the arrow does regular damage, he made the right call. Uh, legit rules is written. Do not mess with halfling or elf assassins at all. Oh, that's that's hilarious. Warpig, do you know what I just realized? Because halflings have that stealth advantage too. I think someone needs to one-up uh, Deadleaf the Assassin with uh, a halfling who, who uses sling stones or darts. Can you imagine making assassination rolls with darts? It's terrible. <laughs> So, let's see. What else interesting happened? D-Dubs, you're on mute, by the way, in case you're trying to chat. One other secret I'm going to reveal uh, is the, the plot hook had to do with uh, sightings of undead in and around this dungeon. which allowed me to interpret the results of the random dungeon generation uh, in that light. It, it, it gives context to the whole experience. So when I discovered that uh, the last room that they uh, were attempting to go in contained a big pile of treasure, but also a party of other player characters, uh, non-player characters. I simply used that context of the quest to inform the nature of that uh, group of characters. And so what could have been a randomly generated hodgepodge of, you know, you know, fighters, thieves, whatever, like a random NPC party with their men at arms, much like the party that we're exploring easy it was an evil cleric and a couple of his party members with uh, a whole cadre of skeletons behind the door um this really brought uh it brought the dungeon i think it brought the dungeon to life more than anything else um i was excited for what was about to happen uh, everybody else got excited they said wow all right we found one of those things you know that, that we were hoping to find we were hoping to find some more information about the undead sightings out there and here's the evil cleric controlling a bunch of skeletons great um plus it made for a fun and and, uh, and exciting fight that uh and the cleric got to shine of course using his turn undead ability uh all in all uh the session itself was a lot of fun um all the players seem to have a good time uh I know we, we don't do spotlight here in the Broasar, but everybody got to play a little bit. Everybody had some fun. Um, uh, to those of you who might be expecting a little more Gonzo Broasar style stuff, I, uh, we're going to work up to that. I usually a little more. Uh, I'm usually too busy working on the rules and, and the adjustments to uh, get into the fun. So I hope all the players bring that sort of energy, uh, which we did. We had... Uh, Let's see, we had another assassin, Tony D'Angelo. Uh, he played a human, which normally I prefer humans, but after Deadleaf's performance, hmm. Uh, Ranger, fight, and the fighter, and the fighter had a high charisma. He had a, a bunch of men-at-arms, so he's starting his own little army, uh, cleric. And we had two fighters who were hope, who are hopefuls to be bards. Both named Bard, oddly enough. I blame you, Warpig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, you can read the session, dornal.blogspot.com. Uh, if I find time in and around my uh, personal stuff, such as wedding planning and actual work, uh, I hope to do more sessions. I hope to uh, maybe add some more blog posts. 
Uh, I love talking about rules. I love, uh, I love talking shop. That's one of my favorite things. It is my hobby that I love probably more than anything. Um, and I'm happy to share it with you guys. Really cool stuff. Uh, well, so, that's that's what's that's what's exciting me, Warpig. What's that? So based on this uh, advice for DMs. Sorry, was that a question? Yeah, based on this session, do you have any advice for DMs? Did it make you think of anything that uh, you would tell other DMs? Absolutely. Uh, for anybody who's new, who's thinking about trying D&D, &D, of, of any stripe, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons, the generated stuff in the back works. Um, similarly, uh, anybody who's used to regular style dungeon mastering, I, I should I should go into that a little bit more detail. You can trust what the tables give you, and you learn to use the abductive reasoning. That it's the same skill that you use if you're running a standard one-page dungeon, where if you roll a wandering monster, then you sort of uh, you can reason, you know post-hoc reasoning, okay, why were those monsters there? Why are they here? How far are they? That sort of thing. Um, that's one of the main skills and muscles you develop as a dungeon master. So you can trust you can trust the tables uh, because your imagination is going to fill in all the blanks. Um, advice for... I I don't suppose uh, I don't suppose that uh, I have any other specific advice except for here are things that I like to do when I'm at the table uh, that are I think help me run the game more efficiently, which is uh, the first thing that I would advise DMs to do is shut up. Sometimes. And, and it's hard for me because I like to answer all the questions that come up. But sometimes people are just musing out loud. Sometimes they're talking to each other. And we all know, or most of us know through experience, that players who take initiative and actually do things, take actions, lead the party on through the dungeon, right? They're going to drive the game forward. So my advice is to just shut up and get out of the way. And if, and if it gets quiet or if people are kibitzing, like talking off topic, you can just say, remind them, hey, by the way, you guys are here uh, and, and you know, I'm just waiting for you guys to give me actions. You know, all they need is just a little reminder. Um, hey, you're not waiting on me. I'm, on, I'm waiting on you. Uh, the other thing that I, this is a, a um, seems like a minor thing, but as a rules experiment i did all of the surprise rolls myself behind the dm screen uh, i think there's a uh, there's a good technical reason for it um and that makes the game run smoother so in dungeons and dragons when the game master when you've determined that there's going to be an encounter one of the first things you check for is whether one or both of the sides of the encounter is surprised and typically uh we we have been rolling each each uh, a member of each party rolls the surprise and then we figured out what figure out what the surprise is um and i have observed that it does a few things uh that are un um unwelcome uh, the first is the players know ahead of time that there's a potential encounter. Uh, the second thing is that it takes extra time for them to roll the dice. Uh, and that's a problem because the characters actually don't have any decisions to make or actions to take until after surprise is determined. So if... Uh, Standard example, you know, Dungeon Master says, okay, you walk 30, you turn the corner and roll for surprise. 
and the game screeches to a halt. It's not a long pause, but if the game master rolls the surprise and remembers that there's an elf in the party or a ranger in the party and so on and so forth, and predetermines that one is surprised, you know, whoever's surprised, whether anybody's surprised or not, then the game master, once he knows that, he can determine how far away the encounter is, you know, the distance between the two parties. And then there's no guesswork and there's no rearranging and there's no, it's really simple. Okay, guys, here's what happens. Here's the scenario. There, uh, There's a beholder 30 feet away from you and neither of you is surprised. What do you do? Right? And it you skip over the back and forth, the time-consuming back and forth and the questions, and you skip straight to the point that the players care about. Okay, what do I do? And then you go, you proceed as normal. That was a lot of words to say that, but uh, my experiment with it last night, I think it worked very well. Uh, and now that I've actually verbalized it, I think I'm going to go back and ask uh, the guys in our game Discord what they thought of it. Uh, I think it's a great improvement to the uh, to the process. Uh, just one more tool in your uh, DM arsenal. Do you regret asking for advice yet? No. <laughs> uh, I, talk you know about what? these things is we can. Um, we can give other people, you know, benefit of the experience if they're not in a, not in a campaign run according to these kind of rules and they don't have the experience of them. There are some things they may not have a chance, may not have yet had a chance to try. You nailed it. Uh, that's what that's what this whole Brosar project has been about. Uh, that's why uh, as soon as I started, that's why uh, as soon as I got started reading about it, I got so involved. Uh, it's it's talking we're talking shop, and not with hypotheticals. It's real. It's nearly scientific. I had a hypothesis. I tested it in game when I got a chance. I like the results. Um, I think, although that, I'm gonna put a pin in that. I'm gonna have to write a blog post about that. Uh, but I think that's uh, that's all my excitement for uh, one week. I already got one request for downtime action, but uh, who knows when we'll play again. I think everybody wants to hunt a dragon in Machador. Warpig, how about you, man? How's your week? I finally saw the last, uh, and I just found out today, uh, like four days ago. So I wasn't even late on this. Uh, I just saw the last episode of uh, Strange New Worlds today. Uh, and I'm raring to talk about it. All right. Uh, for those no. of you that don't know, Strange New Worlds is the uh, currently running uh, Star Trek streaming series on Paramount+. Plus. It is a uh, 10-episode season, which again, just concluded four days ago. Um, and it's set with Captain Christopher Pike uh, aboard the USS Enterprise. The original uh, pilot episode for Star Trek was with Captain Christopher Pike, and the network didn't like it, so they sent it back to retool it, and then they took it away and came back with James T. Kirk and the crew that we know. Um, Instead of Christopher Pike, number one, who's played by Major Barrett, and all of the. And 
it was later retooled into a two-parter called The Cage, uh, with Ike infamously ending up in a chair where he could open the So this takes place or um before the uh Captain Kirk ever became captain of the Enterprise. Okay. I want to say this. There are expectations you come to this show with because of where it's set and because of who some of the characters on the show are. They have an actor playing Spock. They have an actor playing Uhura. Um, James T. Kirk shows up in a couple of episodes. He's a lieutenant aboard a different starship. Um, Montgomery Scott, Scotty shows up in an episode and so on and so forth. Um, and this show is actually decent science fiction, but is actually really bad at carrying the expectations of Star Trek. If you, the question people ask is, well, if this show wasn't, you know, Star Wars or Star Trek, would people watch it? My answer would be, this show comes off a lot better. It's a lot more enjoyable. Um, and it's a lot higher quality if you pretend it isn't Star Trek, because then you're not expecting it to be Star Trek. If you just pretend that these are other characters, it's a good, or not really good, it's a good science fiction. It's an enjoyable interesting things uh in the time they just got done with the war with the klingon just a few years ago to and so a lot of the characters on the show veterans um who literally fought in the war and they have a couple of that uh include for various reasons flashbacks to the klingon war so they're literally um on the front line of battle, on the front line, on the ground, in the war. And it's a really compelling episode. Um, and it's enjoyable to watch. It was well done, uh, this particular episode. And it's uh, it dealt with you know PTSD. It dealt with war crimes. Uh, by the enemy, it dealt with all kinds of things, and as far as a science fiction show goes, it was a good science fiction show. If you're real attached to Star Trek, you're going to expect that utopian Starfleet um, that was part of the original series, part of the next generation, and you're going to really dislike the show because that's not what this is. So what I'm I'm saying is it does a bad job of carrying all your expectations from Star Trek. But as far as being a science fiction show, it's a good science fiction show. It's an enjoyable science fiction show. Um, the very first episode opens up with, um, you know, some skullduggery, um, digging out Raiders, uh, space battle, um, kidnapping. It is not generally speaking, and there are some exceptions, uh, a cerebral talky show for the most part. Um, and there's 10 episodes, unlike other streaming services, which are, you know, one 10-hour movie chopped up into pieces, the, each episode is a self-contained story. And the next episode has to do with something completely different. So one episode, they're dealing with Klingons. And the next episode, they're off on a different planet on the other side of the Federation. 
dealing with the time travel plot. And the next episode, they're off at a different place, um, you know, dealing with the subspace anomaly and some bad things that are happening with the Gorn. So there are 10 self-contained stories. And the things you find out about the characters matter in later episodes, but each episode stands alone. Also true for things you found out about the characters in uh, season one. This is the second season of this show, and there were also like six episodes from one season of Discovery that dealt with this crew being there. Um, I would consider if you're going to watch uh, Strange New Worlds, that you got to go back and watch just those six episodes of Discovery um, because they do introduce the captain. Uh, they do introduce. Um, you know, the characters on this ship. And they're working because they were the best part of Discovery. Uh, and it led into a, a good standalone series. It is... There are a lot of things, and this has happened with every Star Trek series. They always have these continuity errors. Complete disregard for continuity has been a big problem with Star Trek. So once again, if you're dealing with expectations of continuity, even from discovery, you're going to be... Well, I, I, I say disappointed, but I was happy. I thought Discovery's Klingons were I, I thought terrible. But these Klingons look like the Klingons from the original series movies, um, from the six movies. Um, oh, yeah. And uh, from Next Generations. I was happy because they looked like real. Uh, the big bony so, yeah, forehead and all. Yeah. I mean, it's a continuity, you know, it's discontinuity from... Uh, discovery, but that that was just gravy for me. That was just like, oh yeah, great! I'm bad. I'm excited. It made me happy. But again, <laughs> you know, if uh, if you're, uh, yeah, the further you can get discovery, the the happier I am, pretty much. Um, <laughs> I'm not surprised to hear that. But it really is good. It's a good action science fiction series with some, like any TV series, they have some talky episodes. Every TV sci-fi series I've ever seen had talky episodes. Babylon 5 did. So this is no exception, but talky episodes are the minority. And even when they do have talky episodes, they're not entirely talky episodes still a good 40 to 50% of their show is going to be action and, and other things. You don't do a lot of sitting around in rooms yelling at each other. And even the talkie episode was, was actually pretty interesting. They dealt with interesting science fictional concepts in a not terrible way. Um, what's what's an example of a science fictional concept? One of the characters turns out to have been part of a colony that, uh, in order to survive, they genetically engineered themselves. They were originally human. Uh, they didn't radically genetically engineer themselves, but they they added genetically augmentations to their children, which is because of. Khan, Noonien, Singh, and the uh, genetics wars, which is the nuclear holocaust that destroyed Earth, um, is illegal on Earth and now in the Federation. And uh -huh. in order to 
joined Starfleet, she lied about her uh, being genetically modified. And this is the season finale of the first season. Is she gets um, somebody turns her in, she gets arrested, and so she's in jail. Um, and they have to go through a defense of trying to not get her thrown in jail for 20 years or trying to get her, uh, you know, a slap on the wrist or even trying to get her reinstated in Starfleet. And so there's a, a trial of this character and any trial is going to be a somewhat talky episode. But in addition to that, there's characters doing things on the ship to try and figure out who turned her in. Why did they turn her in? Can we get in access to these, you know, communications records, their private communications records? You know, can they try and, you know, slice their way into the records? Well, that'll make the make it inadmissible in court what can we do about it you know in order to get a, a good lawyer pike has to fly off to this colony uh of genetically engineered humans that the federation wants nothing to do with uh and try to convince someone to uh from there to come and defend her i think it's an interesting episode it's just not you know an action combat episode Got it. Uh, speaking of episodes, Simon Hoggood wants to know what you thought of the Lower Decks crossover. Um, I, it's surprising that it actually isn't a terrible episode. It's not the best episode in a season, but it's still watchable. I still enjoyed it. Um, so was that actually was, done as a cartoon? No, it was done as as uh, live action. Okay. Um, they brought the characters came into Strange New Worlds, and they were done as live action. Uh, they only brought two of the characters from the main cast over, which I assume is because they're the only two actors who look like the animated characters to be able to play them in the flesh. Okay. That's a funny idea. So there's a, there's a, there were a few broad strokes uh, in there. Um, I mean, it sounds like dealing with, you know, that you said that there was a, you know, the episode about the person who was like an illegal genie, you know, genetically modified creature. Um, that does sound a little bit like a typical Star Trek episode where, you know, you know, we're going to have a episode about, you know, the morality of, of, you know, whether the morality of the man and, and the lying and, you know, what do we do? What happens to her and that sort of thing? Um, that does sound pretty Star Trekky to me. I don't know if I had a question in there. Um, what, what is the, I, I think, I think you're going to say the same, the, the same one about the Klingon war, but uh, is that the least Star Trek like episode? Are there any others? Like I, I haven't watched Star Trek since DS Nine. What's, what are some good episodes to take a look at? I think we're looking at some technical difficulties. Warpig, you've been cutting in and out a little bit throughout the show. All right. 
Man, I I do apologize. I sure wish I was ready for Warpig to fall off the face of the earth. Um, I think that's all we wanted to talk about today. So I think we're probably just going to call it due to technical difficulties and or rain, as Warpig's frantically trying to mute and unmute himself. Can you hear me? I can hear you now. I almost I'm called the game on, today. on account of rain. Um, where did I get cut off? I don't recall. <laughs> Anyways. Because <laughs> as soon as you got cut off, I, I asked you a question about, like, what was the least Star Trek-y, like, episode? Um, most of them are not Star Trek-y like episodes. Most of them are just better if you think of them as good science fiction and not Star Trek. I'll tell you what, the the worst episode of the season, they had a a musical episode, and you oh, that's just a terrible concept. And it kind of is a terrible concept. It could have been done well, but really, what sunk it was that all the music was terrible. Oh. Um, it just wasn't good music. Um, and, uh, it, it seemed like they didn't have enough time to rehearse because, uh, the actors on the show, you could tell either they didn't have enough time to rehearse or they weren't good enough singers to pull it off. Buffy the Vampire Slayer's musical episode was much, much better. Scrubs musical episode was much, much better. And the last thing is they had the Klingons on this on this episode too. They show up for just a little bit at the end. And the number one rule of a TV show or a movie is you never make threatening villains seem silly. In Scooby-Doo, right. they prank on the bad guys all the time because it's a children's show. It's not supposed to be terrifying, right? So they dump on their heads or they set up a hot dog stand and they sell hot dogs to the monster or whatever because it's a children's show. So if going on in your singing episode, and your clan going to sing. You need something to maintain their threat. Ideally, you need them to be singing opera, right? Um, which maintains their Klingonness, which maintains their warrior nature, which makes them seem like a threat. And having five or six Klingons standing there, holding forth with Klingon opera, with batlefts or spears, making, you know, harsh, threatening gestures, whatever you imagine a full Klingon opera performance to be like, would have been great and would have maintained it. Instead, they had them singing like an in-sync number. Um, and That's a tactical error. Yeah, it just made the Klingons seem foolish. And that robs them, and not just momentarily, that kind of stink sticks with them in the future. It makes them look silly. It's just a bad idea. And they're, I can tell what they're thinking. They're like, oh, this will be funny. It's like, no, there are things you can make seem funny. Uh you're, if you would you're, run in, you rob them of their menace. Nobody's scared of a guy in glasses. Yeah. If you had run into, like, a Ferengi ship, and they had ended up singing like a boy band, that would be funny, because Ferengi aren't meant to be, you know, menacing. Or a packlet, or any one of a number of different races that are 
Vulcans would have been funny singing in a boy band because it's a staid, you know, logical race singing like a boy band. It makes them seem kind of silly, but everybody on the ship seemed kind of silly because they were singing. It doesn't take them far away from their base, and you know they can go back to being logical. It doesn't rob them of their logic or reason any more than being in a musical episode would anyway. So yeah, that was that was a grave error. Um, of all the episodes, and I'm not saying it was a terrible episode, it just, it wasn't a great concept. If it had had really great music, if there had been some bangers in there, um, then it would have been, you know, a, a good episode. But it didn't have great music, and they did the Klingons dirty. Um, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, their musical episode had good uh, music in it. They had some of the songs were really good songs, enjoyable songs. Scrubs had some great songs in their musical episode. Uh, this show needs a musical episode, man. Not everybody needs one. I, I'm just taking this from the point of view as if you're going to do it, if yeah. you're going to do a musical episode, you have to have good music. That's like the baseline requirement. And it you wasn't... It, I just want to make clear, this, this wasn't a holodeck episode, right? This wasn't... This wasn't uh, Data and Riker hang out with the Rat Pack, right? No. This, and the reason was dumb, too. Um, someone else pointed out on that if they were going to do a musical episode, they should have had, like, a virus or boars or something in the ship that affected the crew. Uh, instead, they had it be a subspace anomaly, which was just stupid. It was not a concept to have a musical episode to begin with. The cause of the musical episode wasn't great itself. The music was terrible. It was okay. It was all right. Um... The characters dealt with it in an interesting way. You know, you got to... The rules of a musical are that when emotions get to be too strong that you can't talk about them anymore, you start singing. And when the emotions are too strong for song, then you start dancing. So because of this subspace anomaly that's going on, um, they were living under the laws of reality for a musical. So given that setup, they did good with it. They just let it down. Uh, you had a lot of characters who've been dealing with problems building up through the season. And they kind of collided in this episode. Um, and that was interesting to see how their difficulties with command, their difficulties with, um, you know, dealing with other characters in romance or in personal conflicts, things like that played out in terms of the music. It was interesting to seeing them because what happens when you're singing in a musical is you reveal emotions and you reveal things that you would normally have kept uh, hidden. And that's what happens in the ship. So there were good things about the episode and there were entertaining things about the episode. And if you've been watching the series and you're invested in the characters, it's, it's, it's worthwhile to see. It's not so bad that, you know, it's like getting spiked balls dumped on your face, but <laughs> it wasn't enough to make you. It wasn't enough to make you get up, shut the shut the thing off, and say, "I'll I'll wait till next episode to come back." Yeah, I mean, if you didn't like the characters, though, it was an ep if you didn't care about the characters, uh, it was an episode to make you go, "All right, I can skip this." And 
if you don't care about the uh, characters, you can skip it. There's nothing you're going to miss, at least so far. Um, everything that would have made it memorable, everything that would have made it a can't-miss episode, they missed. So um, it, it's sad that way. They 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 needed more time. They needed better songwriters. They needed, um, gosh darn it, they just needed more rehearsal time. Mm. I, I <sighs> singing's hard. Yeah, this should have been the one episode they spent the most time preparing for and getting ready for. And I don't know if they spent just as much time on it as they did the rest of the episodes or they spent less time on it than they did the rest of the episodes, but they certainly weren't as prepared as they should have been. So. Bad call. But yeah, it, if you don't care about the characters, you can skip it. On the other hand, if you've been following the drama and you want to see, there are relationship developments that happen during the season that this is a critical episode to keep keep track of. Well, at least they put it in the middle of the season instead of up front. Yeah, it's actually number six, I think, or seven. Yeah, that would be something um, that I imagine I would I would tune into. Let's check out this new Star Trek show and then turn it off after 30 seconds. Let's not. I hate this show. No, actually, the first episode is really good. It's one of the – they start strong. Uh, and none of them are – just because they're going with self-contained episodes that each have to tell a story, and they start middle and end, and they have to be good stories – and they're really trying hard to make them good stories. Uh, they're not. Uh, uh, there's no like filler episodes like that. They're really trying hard to make each episode work as a story. And there are flaws here and there. I'm not going to say it's perfect. That's why I said it's a good science fiction series. It is better than. Most other streaming series, most other streaming sci-fi series I can think of. Um, Not as good as The Expanse was. People can toss names out at me in the the chat. Better than all the other Star Trek series on Paramount Plus. Um, Did you say you liked it better than The Expanse? No, no, no. It, it, it's not as good as The Expanse. God, okay, that's what I not, thought. There's, there's not many others I would say are better than this. It's better than just about every other by streaming series I've seen. And it's, it's probably better than most of their mainstream sci-fi series in the last, you know, five years, ten years, whatever. Mm-hmm genuinely trying to make a show where being bold, being explorational, masculine are are, are all good things. The captain is a masculine man and that's presented as a good thing. He's not shamed for that. They go out into space and um they fight the bad guys and sometimes negotiate, but that's not presented fighting, shooting, blowing bad guys up. is not presented as a bad or a shameful thing. They're not called on the carpet for it. Um, you know, it, it takes a kind of vigorous culture to explore takes a kind of vigorous culture to think that their values are right. And instead of showing up everywhere and apologizing for being the Federation, 
you know, they they believe in the Federation's values over the Klingons' warlike values. They believe in the Federation uh, and humanity over the Gorn. Um, there's some horror here. They have episodes uh, that have touches of horror, and that's cool. It's great. This is a lot darker than you would expect Star Trek to be. It's a lot darker than you would expect DS than than DS9 typically got. Um so again, if, if you are a staunch fan of old Star Trek, of the original series of the next generation. You are not going to be happy with those aspects of the show. And it's those aspects of the show that make it good sci-fi. There's action. They fight enemies. There's horror episodes that are dark. There's a war episode that gets kind of dark. And, and it's dark and depressing. It's not dark and nihilistic. You know, you have a doctor and a nurse on the front lines of a war. And they are fighting as hard as they can to get patients in and get them treated and get more patients in and get them treated. And it doesn't really sugarcoat it. It's not bloody. They don't have, you know, horrendous, uh, grotesque bloodiness, but it, it shows the, the kind of burdens on the soldiers, the burdens on the commander, the burdens of running out of supplies, the burdens of, of what has, you know, because these things happened a few years ago, the burdens of what uh, these characters are going through years later. Um, I genuinely like some of these characters. I cannot tell you the last time that happened. Uh, the pilot of the ship, the alpha pilot of the ship, her name is Ortega. Um, she, as a character, has a bunch of fun. She's always smiling. She's making jokes. She has this can-do attitude. Um, she has a lot of, uh, I don't know, spunk. <laughs> I I started to really like her about episode three or four. And uh, I really enjoyed her for the rest of the series. She's just fun to have on screen. I mean, do you know how long it's been since I've had a character? Uh, especially a someone who's supposed to be a strong female character who I can just enjoy watching on screen because she's uh, not condescending, she's not perfect, she's not there to make all the men look bad. She has her job, she does it, but she has weaknesses and she has to work hard. And and when she gets personally taken off a mission because she has to go do something else instead of whining about it and, and complaining about how it's because she's a woman. She just sucks it up and does her job and acts like a professional. I mean, I suspect totally. it's never happened before. It's great to see Starfleet personnel acting like professionals. Just don't expect it to be the original series of the next generation because it's not. Mm. It's not Star Trek in that sense, but it's good sci-fi. It's enjoyable sci-fi. Um, and I'm not trying to oversell it, but we're in a period of time when just good TV seems really amazing just because there's so much crap out there, you know? Oh, I know. <laughs> it's really bad out there. So it's it's heartening to hear that there's some some decent stuff out there, especially with a with a old show like Star Trek. Do do it a little bit of justice. You don't have to copy what the original series was. Yeah, so I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed the episodes. I enjoyed watching it. Um and I don't have to qualify that with anything. I don't have to say the only episode I'd really have to qualify is, is the musical episode. Um, 
and, and that's just because it's like having a comedy episode. If they'd done an entire sitcom episode, but none of the jokes were funny, it'd be an awful sitcom episode. They did a musical episode, none of the music. I mean, the music isn't terrible. It didn't make me weep tears of blood, but it wasn't very good. It was just kind of like, uh, I guess okay. It's okay music. It's not painfully bad. It, it, it's run-of-the-mill, I would say. Run-of-the-mill music. Just nothing that really stood out. I mean, the end of the episode, Uhura is like humming the music and everybody on the bridge is looking at her because they're suddenly afraid that it's not over. And she's like, sorry, earworm. And I'm like, no, no you are lying. You are lying. None <laughs> of that music was an earworm. I can't remember any of that music. They sold albums of the Buffy TV show music. They aren't going to yep. sell anything. <laughs> Off of this show. Nobody's going to listen to that music again. So I know you're talking to someone who's paid to have a specific opinion. (laughs) So, yeah. Um, So, and it's, it's 10 episodes. They're all just about 60 minutes long. Um, Spock isn't Spock. But there's reasons why, so don't again, don't go into it expecting it to be Star Trek. He's not a bad character. The character is an interesting character to watch. It's a fun character to watch. Just don't expect it to be Leonard Nimoy playing Spock. Sure. That's all I'm saying is is go in with these specific expectations. They've got this guy named Spock on screen. Just don't expect it to be Spock. Take it for exactly what it is on screen. And you can enjoy the show. Because it is actually good. It's just not Spock. That you makes know, sense. I mean, no one's ever going to replace Nimoy anyway. Yeah. And if and if the writers are, whether they know it or not, creating a, a Star Trek series that isn't telling the same types of stories that Star Trek did, it's, no, it, these characters will not come out the same. The writers are just different. Yeah. You know, instead of Starfleet, just think of it as the Space Navy or whatever you want to call it, you know? It seems like a positive spin on the um, this scourge of media where uh, talentless people or people with a political agenda, they'll take over, you know, they'll take over writing the, like, next reboot or next iteration of whatever beloved IP franchise uh, is, is hot. And, you know, they, they, they write completely different characters. They, so the quote unquote ruin the characters that you remember, that sort of thing. This sounds like a, a positive side to that where, where they, they are not setting out to write a Star Trek series, but they do intend to actually write a, an entertaining show. They're um, not trying to crap on Star Trek. They're right. not trying to make it seem like garbage. They don't hate Star Trek. They don't hate the characters. They are genuinely making I, they're genuinely making the best show they can. It's just not the original series. It's just not Star Trek. And that's, you know, that's fine. As long as you know that when you go to watch it. You can enjoy it on that level. Just say, hey, let go of your, you know, expectations and and roll with it. I mean, if you can't, that's fine. I'm not saying you have to. I'm not saying you're a bad person if you can't do that. If it I am if it just grates on if you can't do that. If it just grates on your your nerves, no, no worries. Then it's not for you. But yeah, once I got into that, once I was like, oh, okay. Okay. And again, it took me to like the third episode before I was like, oh. Okay. Then I was fine. I was like, okay, yeah, I could really just lean back and enjoy it. It really is good science fiction. I'm glad I watched it. And and there are so few shows that I can sit back and say, I'm glad I watched that. Sounds good. So, I'm glad you liked it. That's it. That's all I have to say. Well, that was a great chat. Uh, chats out of questions 
So I think we, we should wrap it up for today. Sorry about the technical difficulties, folks. Um, you may not even notice if I successfully edit that out without destroying the whole episode this time. Uh, <laughs> First. <laughs> I'll make a backup this time. Um, but it was super fun chatting with you. Uh, uh, if you if you like science fiction, Warpig recommends your uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. I recommend playing Advanced Dungeons & Dragons with all available spare time. Uh, check out my new session reports at doronal.blogspot.com. Uh, and, and I should say, I don't just recommend this season. I, I recommend going and catching all of it, even the last few episodes of whatever season of Discovery the ship. Uh, it's worth watching those last few episodes of Discovery just to catch the the appearance of Pike and his crew. And then in the first season or two, they're, they're getting better as they go along. Uh, Strange New Worlds is. So that's also another plus. Cool. Uh, well, I may even catch an episode or two. Uh, I used to love Star Trek. Uh, when I was a kid, I watched The Next Generation, watched the Star Trek movies in the theater. Uh, DS9 was great. So uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear someone isn't crapping all over it. Um, I hope everybody listening later checks those out. Star, Star Trek and uh, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, Warpig, thanks for being awesome. I'm going to sign off for tonight. You're up. All right. Once again, thanks everybody for tuning in live. And uh, we want to thank everybody who will tune in later. This has been Geek Gab for Monday, August 14th, 2023. Uh, we are here just about every week, just about this time on youtube.com slash geekgab. Once again, youtube.com slash geekgab. Go ahead and subscribe and hit the uh, bell icon to get notified whenever we're going live. Uh, or you can listen to us on the soundcloud.com, Apple iTunes store, the Google Play store. Just do a search for geekgab. Folks, we are signing out for today, but don't you worry. Don't you fret. We will. Bye.